also, we're going to be closing out our, our series on this, this early church bit today from Acts chapter 2. We've been looking at the last bit from verses 42 through 47 and, and the things that they were devoted to. Were, I was going to finish that, that last week, of course. Ended up not doing that because we didn't meet. So I didn't have to write a sermon this week. But the good news is, I did do some digging and some planning, and I've got the first couple of sermons of our Advent series prepared already, so I'm going to tell you what we'll be doing. We're, we're going to be looking at the women in Jesus' genealogy over the next several weeks. Um, there are five that pop up, many of them not quite the ones you might expect. And so we're going to be talking about those, those particular women that Matthew puts in the history, the genealogy of Jesus. So, that's where we're going the next few weeks. So, if you want to prepare for that. But today, we are finishing the series on Acts chapter 2. And, and we're looking just at the last verse. But you know what? Let's just read that whole passage. Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 47. They devoted themselves. Remember, this is the people that had been gut-punched by their own guilt. So what shall we do? And they turned away from one way of life and toward another. And what way did they turn to? They were devoted to the apostles' teaching, the fellowship, the breaking of bread, and the prayers. And awe came upon every soul. And many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need, and day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Let me pray for us. Lord, we are your people. You are our God. You are good. You are holy. You are mighty. You are gracious. You are kind and you are merciful. Would you help us to internalize your word? Not just today, but every day, and, and be with us. It's in your name. Amen. I got to pick that up for you, Brad. Um, so we're going to focus just on this last verse. Praising God, having favor with all the people, and the Lord added to their number day by day. As I read that, and you know, you probably picked up, if I've said this explicitly, so I hope you've picked up, that, that, that through this series, I like the, I'm, I've been thinking, what are the problems that we maybe experience that could be solved, <laughs> certainly improved, if, if we too were devoted, if our lives revolved around the apostles' teaching, the breaking bread, the fellowship, the prayers, what, what could be different? And as I looked at that verse what came to mind immediately was that Christians are not always appreciated, shall we say. Um, people sort of out there, right, don't always like us. Frank Zappa, rock musician, said, when you see that fish symbol on the car in front of you, you know that's the enemy. One famous actor said, religion has become an outdated answer to our problems. That's certainly not original either, by the way. That's pretty commonly thought of. And, and I don't think a lot of people, I don't, I don't experience, I don't think a lot of people think, oh, Christians, they're great. I'm, I'm not picking that up. That's not the vibe I'm, I'm feeling, okay? Maybe you are, and if you are, I'd love to know where you live. But uh, the common perception, I think, or at least one common perception of who we are, 
is frankly, I think it's easy, most of us probably are familiar with this, it's Angela in the office. Right? Angela, she's, she's judgmental. <laughs> she's hypocritical. I mean, we all know the kind of life, right? If you've seen the show, and, and I, I hope you've seen enough episodes to kind of get it, but, but she's not doing, like her personal choices are not the best, always, and yet she is very judgmental of others who do sometimes the same stuff she's doing. She also, by the way, is very much afraid to reveal, toward the end of the show, her life kind of falls apart, and she is afraid to reveal that to anybody. She wants to continue to have an appearance of having everything together, and I think that's interesting. Um, I think the bottom line for Angela, and I thought about her a lot this week, or last week, and this week too, is she is far more concerned with what people think of her than she is about what people think of Jesus. I'll say it again. She's far more concerned about what people think of her than she is about what people think of Jesus. I've known people like that, and if I'm honest, I've been guilty of being that sometimes, very often. And I think there is maybe, yes, stereotypes exist for a reason, right? Maybe Angela is sort of a, obviously a satire, obviously. I don't, I don't think Angela is the common Christian. But for some reason, the writers of The Office, and I think much of the world, sees Angela as the prototype of what Christians are and how Christians behave. And I think maybe it's because sometimes we do. <laughs> sometimes we do struggle with that. And so I asked... Well, if we're devoted to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking bread and prayers, if we are devoted to the same things the early church is devoted to, what might be the result of that? And, I, and, and in verse 47, I think we see some answers. Praising God is the first thing it says. <laughs> and when I saw that, at first, we, I think we all have this image, right? What does it mean to be praising God? And it's, it's very pious. You know, our hands are folded and your know, head is bowed or you know, feet are together, you know, hand over the heart, whatever. We got a certain posture. And, we, and I think, especially mostly in here being German, Norwegian, slash, whatever, um, we probably also have that res- reserved as well. You know, certainly not a, too exuberant. Hang on now, right? But I, I think we're even, no matter what we're looking at there, we might be focused on the wrong thing. We're talking about a behavior, right? We're talking about an outward behavior. But what I think praising God here speaks to is what I'm going to call rightly ordered affections. The heart loving what the heart is made to love. Our, 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 our affections being prioritized in the correct way. Rightly ordered affections. The one old famous old day guy said that the human heart is an idol factory. That we will create things to worship and love wherever we can find them. Because, because we so much need that. We need to love something. Just ask Freddie Mercury. Had a whole famous song. Somebody, please give me somebody to love. 
right? Because we need that. We're made for it. We're wired for it. It's in our very DNA to love something and to love someone. We were made to worship, and we will search everywhere we can to find satisfaction. I don't know about you, but I know people across the spectrum, right? Workaholics giving everything that they have and everything that they can be to a profession or a career because they need to be, maybe they need to be needed. They need to be important. By the way, stay-at-home moms, that can be you too, okay? You don't have to go off to an office to be a workaholic to find your significance from your job. You can do that without a paycheck. Angela, her issue was she just wanted to look good to others. That's certainly something that we, we love. Some of us love it more than others, but, but I, I get it. I, want, I love my image in other people's eyes, usually when it's not true, especially well, always when it's not true. <laughs> when you've got a false image of who I am, that's, that's really special. Some of us just want stuff, the newest technology, the newest thing, right? We have all these things. Some of us, maybe we love our kids looking good in other people's eyes. That's a good one. I, I, I've struggled with this, and I know other parents who do. It's when my kid acts a certain way, that becomes all about me, right? Whether they're naughty or nice is irrelevant, Oh, your kid's so well-behaved, and you feel, right, oh, I'm so special because my kid, right? That's about you. That's, that's, that's an idol. Or my kid's so naughty. Oh, your kid, what, it, you know, oh, well, I'm a, I'm a bad person, or I haven't done well, or what. That's, idol, that's idolatry. That is worshiping. That is the heart having misordered affections. <laughs> or, I mean, I don't even want to get into the politics of it because we do that, too, all the time. We just finished I'll be so glad in the next year and a half until it starts again. It's always easier to see our own sins, our own idols in the lives of other people than it is to see them in our own. We all of us struggle to rest. We struggle to just lay it down. I mean, I, I, I see frequently people who find their significance from performance from accomplishments from work right and they're exhausted and they're going to die one day and everything they build with their hands is going to fall apart because the writer of Ecclesiastes of Ecclesiastes says so it's the way it works it just nothing lasts and we've got to learn to just rest and we all of us struggle, right, to rest. Maybe it's because you need the new thing. Maybe it's because you got to make sure your kids are doing the right thing or whatever. You know, maybe we can't rest because we're too busy being addicted. Drugs, alcohol, porn, pick your poison. I don't care. We're addicted and we're finding relief. We're try- we, we're sh- because we're fighting, we're battling for satisfaction. That's what we're doing. St. Augustine famously said, our hearts are restless until they will find their rest in you. That is what we do. Every single one of us, I see it all the time, I experience it all the time. 
we're restless and we are looking for rest and we're going to all these places looking for it. And devotion, having our, our lives focused around the apostles' teaching, fellowship, breaking bread, the prayers, it will, it will turn, what that will do will turn our hearts away from ourselves and our dissatisfaction and our need for satisfaction and all the stuff out there that needs to be solved and all the things here and all the stuff and, and, and the ache and the longings and all that stuff will fade away because our hearts and our lives will be centered around the thing, <laughs> the very thing that they were made to prioritize, the king of creation, the God who redeems, the God who makes all things new, where our hearts can finally rest. And that's what rightly ordered affections mean. That's what they had in the early church, at least for a few years. When things were really hot, they had rightly ordered affections, and they were, they were praising God because that's what they were made to do, and they were happy to do that, and they were satisfied. And they weren't running off to the mall or to Amazon or to the playground or to the bar. They were just content. Can you imagine they also had favor with all the people. Of course, the verse that made me think about our problem, this idea that people don't really appreciate us, they have favor with all the people. Now, before I say that, I need to point out, you know, this needs to be held in tension with some stuff that Jesus said. He said, in this world you will have trouble. He said, when, not if, you face persecution. So, you know, but, but this early church, they had favor with all the people. And so I started thinking about that. And I thought, well, what are some of the reasons that we might experience perse persecution? What, what are some of the reasons that, we might, that, that Christians might experience disfavor from the people? And as I thought about it, I'm like, well, we could experience disfavor, persecution, by saying, you know, hey, I've learned personally that you're not going to find satisfaction in this thing where you're chasing it, but I, I think I maybe know where you can find it, right? If we say that to somebody, that might, that might cause persecution. They may not like that. That's one reason that we might. Jesus said, when? So there is a reason that Christians may experience persecution. But I, I think it's fair to say we're, we're, we also might experience persecution from saying to someone, I'm better than you. That's what Angela would do, right? The early church, I don't, and this is a phrase that I, I've come to recently that I really like, they, they loved hard. They loved hard. One of my favorite Netflix series has this phrase. Um, it's, called, it's called The Haunting of Hill House. Uh, and it's, it's weird, but I'm not, I'm not necessarily recommending it. But, um, but it tells the story of what trauma does in the life of a person. Early, you know, kids going through struggles, and then it shows them later, and, and the way that that trauma has affected them, and how they work through that together. And, and in, the, in the process, more than once, it is said that we have to love hard. And I just loved that phrase because it means to love the other when it hurts the self. To hold on in pain. To love 
outwardly. They, they loved hard. They didn't go around saying, I'm better than you guys. They went around loving. Do you know, this is true, the early church grew, one of the ways the early church grew so rapidly, in fact, the primary way, was women and children. Because the church was caring for widows, was caring for orphans, and it was caring for women who were in difficult situations. No one else was. The church was loving hard. It was doing the hard stuff to love others well. That's what they were about. They weren't saying, hey, you need to get your life together and come over here to me. That's not what they did. If we want to model the gospel, that's what it means. If we want to find favor, we have to model the gospel. And does, the, does modeling the gospel say, I have learned to get my act together? I have learned to do everything right. I have learned how to manage my life. Is that what the gospel says? Or does modeling the gospel look like this? I'm an absolute wreck, you guys. Like, I struggle every day with... I, I, my, my, you think my affections are rightly ordered? No. I love myself more than I love any of you most of the time. And I don't like that about myself. But you know what? Jesus actually loves me anyway. L loves me more than I can possibly imagine. <laughs> and I don't know why, but I'm okay with that. And I'm going to try to live out of that. That is modeling the gospel. And I don't think, I mean, there might be, some of you might be offended that I love myself more than you. And I'm sorry if you are. But that's my heart, and I'm just being honest. I think most of us, I think most people hear that, and I don't think it's a repellent. I think people see that and they go, maybe there is something there that's worth connecting to. We admit our flaws, and we love others well. Love hard. That's what the early church was doing. They were admitting their flaws. They sit four verses earlier, they were like, what do we do? Our lives are over. Help us. Tell us what, right? They, they, they were fully admitting of their struggles. And then they, 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 they loved others. That's it. That's what they did. When we're devoted to the apostles' teaching, let me sum that up for you. We all of us deserve the cross. All of us. And Jesus went to it for us. All of us deserve the cross. And Jesus did it for us. Sometimes we forget that all of us deserve part. That's the apostles' teaching. We're devoted to that. Um, we're devoted to fellowship, community. We need each other. I am not enough on my own. If we could internalize that, boy, I think it would make a huge difference. Um, the breaking of bread, honesty. That's what we talk about. That's vulnerability and community. That's sharing the reality, the hard truths about ourselves. The prayers, the if we're devoted to the prayers, I believe that will, the, the way it is written, the way we've talked about, I think it will shape us into more humble people that know how much we are dependent on another. And I think, I think those are the things that, that help us to gain more favor rather than disfavor in the sight of all the people. You know, I, 
another, another Netflix show I watched recently, um, David Tennant said, in his character in the show said, and I just love this line, he said, all these people out there say they're Christians, but you never see any of them nailed to anything. I just thought that was really good. Because, yes, Jesus says, I'll go to the cross for you. But then he said, what? Take up your cross. Now, what is that? That is telling the world that we're not as perfect as we pre- we've pretended to be, right? Modeling the gospel, leading with our need, our flaws, our struggles. And, I, I, and then pointing toward the one who answers that. And I think that's, I think that's a pathway toward, away from Angela, and toward favor with all the people. It says, the next thing it says is that the Lord added to their number day by day. See, I think that, that when our affections are rightly ordered, I think we live less chaotically. I think we live with a whole lot more peace. We talked about that, the awe, the wonders, the signs. We talked about these things. This, this, it changes everything when our when our affections are ordered in the proper direction, we are different people. We're not clamoring for significance or attention or any of these things that we go after. We're just resting. And in a world like ours, that is incredibly attractive. When, when we're loving hard... When, when we're out there telling people not what's wrong with them, but what's wrong with us, leading with our flaws, leading with our struggles, leading with our need, and then pointing toward Jesus, but not in a way that says, you got to get your act together, but in a way that says, this is how I'm trying to get my act together. I think when we're doing that, I think that's attractive. I think, I think, I believe that that some out there might be attracted to whatever it is that we believe if that is how our lives look. Let me ask us this. How do you most commonly share your faith? How do you tell people about Jesus? Or how have you seen it? I, I, I see, you know, copy and paste this to prove to the world that on Facebook that you're not ashamed of the cross. Like, I see that. That's one way. You go up, I've done this before, this one I've done, go up, go up to strangers and say, excuse me, do you have a personal relationship with Jesus? Have you done that? Maybe. I have. I've done that one. Or do you just simply love people well? Honestly, share your struggles with them and tell them what it means to be a Christian, which is that you're forgiven anyway. You're Loved and you're growing, maybe getting over slowly some of some of those things, and you love them hard. I think a couple of those ways make us look like Angela's. I do, and I think one of those ways makes people go, hmm, maybe there's something not quite too much of a jerk about this person. And it takes a long time to get us there, I know. But I think devotion, right? This is all fruit. This is what I'm saying. All of these things that we've talked about, everything we talk about today, and this is really important. That's why the title of this sermon series is The Fruits of Faith. Let me say it maybe two or three more times just so we get this in. I am not saying to you, I need you to praise God, and I need you to order your affections right, and I need you to, to, to 
you know, share the gospel in this way. Or I, I'm not saying any of that. Here is what I'm saying. All these things that we just talked about flow out of a life that is devoted to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to the prayers. All of these things happen. All of these, let, let, just for a minute, dream with me. Okay, so if, we're, if we are, if our lives revolve around appearances, relaxation, entertainment, well, they're going to look like, you know, a pretty house, a nice car, well-behaved kids who may not love Jesus, right? Um, all this external stuff, necessarily, that that's we're devoted to, right? We're devoted to appearances, and, and we're going to have all the streaming channels, right? All that, those are the things we're devoted to. If we're devoted to the apostles' teaching... <laughs> The fellowship, the breaking bread prayers, I am betting that will alter the way our lives look. And it will alter it in these ways. So the task, the application, and I know I don't always do application very well. But here it is. This is the whole sermon series. One point right here. Devote yourselves to these things. The apostles teaching, the breaking bread, the fellowship, the prayers. And remember too that that devotion is also the fruit of a heart that has come to see its need for the gospel, its need for grace, its need for Jesus. And it has got that gut punch that we talked about. It's fallen down, said, help. And, and the heart that sees that Jesus has helped is devoted to these things. And it changes everything. That's the whole point of all of this. That is the whole point of the Christian project is to come to Christ, see our need, bend the knee, and be transformed. And then the world around us is transformed as well. It's that simple. And it's that hard. Let me pray for us. Jesus, you are so good. You are so kind. None of us are deserving of your mercy and grace. And yet... You pour it out on us in far more um, overwhelming, copious amounts than what any of us rightly stand in, in even need of. We are so, so utterly helpless to help ourselves. And, and you meet us right there in every place where we need you. Would you meet us this morning? There are people I know among us that um, have different needs. Would you speak to every heart the things that might, they might need to hear by your Spirit and help us to find our hope, our comfort, our rest, and our satisfaction in you, in the risen Jesus, the one who is making all things new. Help us to hope and trust and rest in that reality. It's in your name we pray, Jesus. Amen.